0: Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything.
1: Seasons come and go,
0: Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Here we are in the doldrums of winter out in Colorado. Scott has some really frigid temperatures here in wisconsin we're getting dumped on with over a foot of snow so it feels appropriate scott that today we continue our conversation about companions but which i'm not gonna lie it doesn't feel like much of a companion today but we're gonna try this anyway
1: yeah let's do that yeah because sometimes that's how companions are right
0: oh that's true that's true so yeah
1: Yeah. And, you know, the opening line, I had I wrote this down inside my Bible when I was at the living school. I think Richard said it, but he said, nature is the one song of praise that never stops singing, right? So, I think it was dark this morning when Chris and I were getting ready to go to the gym, and I kept thinking to myself, so... Why are you singing today?
0: <laughs>
1: Chris is like, I think nature is singing,
0: stay home.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? it's,
0: it's a dirge today. It's, it's a, a dirge. dirge. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. Yeah. So nature is, is part of this sequence and we had companions. And I really want to uh talk about nature as friend. And as companion and uh, one that has has voice and presence and um and and relationship. And I've been so immersed into this recently. Um even like we did the Ash Wednesday around noon service down at Mile High Ministries yesterday, and about seven people stopped working and came for a very quick Uh, I chose to read the Beatitudes because some of the readings that the church chooses over the years and their liturgies around the uh, Ash Wednesday service are just awful. (laughs) It's so hard, you know. So it's about sin and repent. Uh, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, so I wanted to set forth the, the Beatitudes to people and then talk about um, about friendship and companionship through Lent. And, uh, of course, we went through the whole thing about Lent and the where does the Word come from, and springtime and lengthening of days and everything. And as I'm saying this, you know, it, we're looking out, out the window, all of us, and we're seeing the wind, the snow's coming down, it's coming down on ice. That seems like it's been there for like two weeks now, you know. And it's just like, ugh. You know, and it was really, really good because I asked them, I said, so what what is it, what is friendship, what is nature, what is companionship, what does it all have together? And boy, people opened up and really we really had a meaningful conversation about that. And I took us back to something that we learned from Oh, I don't know if it was at the living school or if it was John Philip Newell talking about nature was the first book of Revelation. And maybe that's where I want to begin. I guess I I wouldn't think of nature as a as a book and I know that John and Richard don't either. I mean, this is all metaphorical metaphorical and symbolic language, but I I want to think about nature as has first companion, uh, and I'm not negating God and the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, of course. But, I mean, first companion, and I can't even say on the earth, I can say of the earth, with the earth. You know, we're presented uh, in the great uh, in the great story uh, of Genesis. Here we are. We're not alone. We're, God has planted us in this garden, apparently, that God had planted before we got there, right? And so and here we are with our companion. We're in this perfect, idyllic world where everything is in communion with the relationship, and everything is fine, of course. And then, if you're any good Roman Catholic or certain kind of Protestant, you'll just go from that beautiful moment to an eternity of the fall and sinfulness, and you know, and all that stuff that we've been over way too many times. But I, I like I. I like, the, um, I like the idea somebody said to me in the Ash Wednesday thing yesterday about recovery. Now a lot of us have been through or still are in a recovery program of one kind or another or maybe more than one kind or another and the recovery about nature and our friendship probably is the first place to start. If if a big part of Lent really is about turning around, right, we call that repentance, we call it metanoia, the change of mind, the change of heart. I'm going in one direction, I need a 180, you know. And um, and I think maybe to be honest, that's that's where we need to begin. We just need to realize that repentance sometimes is really a healthy part of companionship friendship relationship right you and i are friends matt and if i've done something wrong to you i need to just say is there something wrong with our relationship well if i'm talking to nature nature is like yeah i'm pretty i'm i'm now past the point of keeping still about this i am expressing myself fully there is something wrong in this relationship and i hate to say this my little human friend, but you're to blame for a lot of you're at fault here. And, and so we need to turn around, and we need to get back to, I think, relationship and companionship, and which is all about sanctity and sacredness, right? That there's something in the myth of Genesis, when, in one of the creation stories, God takes us from the earth and breathes spirit life into us. And I like to think that's what enlivened all the creation that existed before us on this planet, that God took and, uh, and out of God's heart created our planet, the world, the universe, however. But right now, just on this little third planet from the sun, and breathe life into that. I think the Lenten season would be a great season if every week we just focused on something about our relationship with nature. Oh, the church wants to do repentance. Come and repent of your sins, you know, and kneel down and say, I'm off, it. it happens. We need it. When I was Catholic priest, active in the parish, I, I would get the same confessions all the time, you know. I'm, okay. But I, I know what it's like to struggle. You don't improve, you know, just because you went to confession once and everything. It's way more than that. But um we need to do that, I think, with our companion. There's a broken relationship there that's supposed to be intimate and mutual, and it's not either one.
0: Yeah, and I think this is one of those topics that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Scott, I think the I think people of faith should be leading this discussion, which unfortunately they haven't, at least recently. But I think a lot of the reason why we're in the situation that we're in and wasn't it fascinating as when the pandemic was at its height, how the earth seemed almost. I mean, almost as quickly as the pandemic came, that's how quickly the earth started to heal because we yeah. were not destroying it. We were <laughs> tucked in our homes. It was crazy, some of the the statistics that were coming out even in that short time. But I think it's because of convenience, because of a desire for fast life and more technology and all of these things, that's weighing heavily on our society. Now, if you're a secular human being and you don't care about spirit, you don't care about God, then it's easy to maybe to make it all about you because you want things to go quicker, you want things to be more efficient, whatever it is. But people of faith, as you were talking in the Genesis narrative, as anybody of any faith tradition could say something similar, we should understand how sacred that relationship is that we have between ourselves and nature and how it truly is a companion. And again, going back to Celtic spirituality, going back to any sort of life, You know, over 100 years ago, it was much easier to understand that relationship, that companionship, because human beings livelihood was dependent on it. But now with so many of our modern conveniences, I mean, you have such cold weather out there in Colorado, but you have the heat of your house. So you don't have to deal with it as much as people would have 100 years ago. I have all of the snow, but I've got a roof over my head that's not going to collapse because of the snow, because of modern conveniences. So sometimes it feels like we don't need the companion when what we're seeing is we're wrong. Even within the context of our modern realities, we still should desire the companionship of nature. And again, I think people of faith should be the ones leading this conversation because we should understand the spiritual significance of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Isn't it interesting? And I'm I I need to be a better sociologist or a, a, or a, a historian. But you know, I have friends who uh, whose background they're indigenous. They're like fifth, sixth generation, and and we're talking, and they're like you know, and and they, they call me. Someone, one of them calls me. Okay. Listen, little white boy, you know, <laughs> it's like, and it's okay, we go back and forth, but I'm I'm not, that's fine. And but he says, you know, did you ever think about when when people were conquering? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about the white people who were conquering, right? And um, but we destroyed so many indigenous cultures who understood the sanctity of the earth.
0: Mm-hmm. When I was a prison chaplain for, I was a prison chaplain for seven, eight years, and I used to get to oversee native sweat lodges and smudge ceremonies. Oh, wow. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced, not just because of the ceremony, but standing around those, those gentlemen. Every time something would happen in nature, they would respond to it, even audibly. An eagle would yeah. fly overhead. They would turn to each other and say, good day. Um, something would happen. in na- you know, whatever was going on, it was a conversation that they were having because they and these were men who were incarcerated. You know, they understood through their traditions. They had a very clear understanding of their companionship with nature, even though they have, they have, you know, in so many ways had created problems in this world and created problems for themselves. Still in the midst of their hardship, in the midst of their lack, in the midst of their disappointment, they still saw nature as a companion when they could have been bitter or angry or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. it's just so, I mean, the whole interconnected piece that's profound in Celtic spirituality, you know. Um, And there again, here's another emphasis, uh, a soul, part of Christianity, if you will, that at the Synod of Whitby, when, you know, the Roman Church came in and got their way, um, it took time, I mean, especially in Wales, the Welsh people are just kind of like, yeah, you can't tell us what to do. And so are the Irish, you know, and, but eventually Rome got its way. And the church moved from outside to had to be inside a building. And we moved from a circle to a hierarchy. And, and, you know, we had equality, but now the women are put in their place. And, you know, and the same thing happened with nature. The whole idea of dominion uh, was... really butchered. I mean, dominion means that, and and I know we're not into kings, I got, you know, language to to be careful with how you talk, but um, dominion really meant to rule, like to rule over nature, but to rule as a king who has a heart for, for the king's subjects, you know, for what does it mean to have dominion? It means I care for you probably more than I care for myself. Mm -hmm. That I realize our interconnectedness and God has put me in this role here uniquely as a human being amongst all creation, but not to dominate, but to rule with with a loving and caring heart.
0: I think if we we think about that again from you know our spiritual tradition if we think you know so often god is referred to as the king right so yep. often jesus is referred to as a the prince of peace and so if we look at those in in context cuz i've heard that same that same conversation about dominating nature having dominion over nature but if we take that perspective of as as god is king with us as jesus is prince with us it's a it's a humility, it's a different way of thinking of it. It's not earthly kingdoms that were so mean. Right.
1: right. But what we did is we took all that Christian story stuff and we plugged it into our hierarchical governmental, I want to rule power control. You know, it's just off base. Mm. Somebody said to me the other day, well, so you think we should have these teaching classes during Lent about our relationship with nature? I'm like, yeah. And they said, maybe the church needs to begin by asking themselves, you need to look at your relationship with yourself. And how is it that's reflecting the story of Jesus? Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know, talk about companions, Like winter also saying things you don't want to hear. (laughs) It's like, no, that's probably right. You know, and, um, went to the Episcopal church where we go to last Sunday and the bishop, um, showed up and I just get a kick out of her. Her name is Kim and she, I don't know how old she is. She's not very old. Doesn't seem to me. Black lady and, and, and she preaches with fire in her belly. And she kept calling us back to the original story of Jesus. She kept calling us back to love, you know, that love is the thing uh, that transforms. And and I brought that over to this whole thing about nature because when people like John Philip Newell or Richard Rohr, other people talk about nature as revelatory, revealing, you know, I think of nature as revealing the very heart of God. Which John Philip Newell will say this is where metaphorically or however you want to say it, I mean Newell would say God didn't create out of nothing. Creation came from the heart, I guess, and the desire, the wholeness of God, you know. And right away, I, I play with that from time to time, and I think so. Nature is about relationship. And what is it that's being revealed in nature? Oh my gosh, you know, you're exactly right. The seasons are given as a guide, as a shepherd, right? And uh, as an anamkara, as a soul friend, as a companion. And and the plants, they dance to this. There's time to, to bud, to grow apples, to let the leaves fall and Go back into winter, and I mean it's such a it's such a a chorus that's being directed by this this living God's presence within nature, and the herds. I mean, you've probably you know you live in Wisconsin, you see herds come and then they leave, right back and forth, and and the flocks. It's just so crazy around here. Chris and I watch for the geese and the ducks, you know, and oh yeah, are they going to return anytime soon? Um, well, not right away. They're not, you know, and um, but they they know when to leave, and it's just think about this. I think one of the things that we're seeing we have a difficult time with socially, not just now. I mean, I grew up in the late '60s. I was a teenager. I saw the women's movement and all uh, you know, all the things that were taking place. And um, God likes diversity. Take a look around. How many kinds of apples are there? (laughs) How many kinds of flowers and cactus? And, oh, my God, diversity is such a gift. And nothing stands still in life. Nothing stands still in nature. I mean, nature evolves. I know it's a dirty word in some circles, but nature really does transform. It evolves. I watched this program Shortly before the pandemic, when they were really doing studies off the coast of Australia about how the temperatures of water was just rising, you know, and they began to find these baby sharks and they changed from what their mother looked like, because these sharks, these new generation of baby sharks were evolving biologically to withstand the warmer water. And then, of course, the teacher goes back about how long have sharks been around? A long time. What is the key to their success? They adapt to their environment. They change. And sometimes we're the culprits of making this water so much warmer. They adapt anyway. You know, they change. I think that's... Now, I just got to tell you, that's a whole other episode waiting to happen when I think about evolution and that being part of the image of god that god there's at least a part of god that's got to be dynamic and evolving and changing and interacting and and relational and interconnected that stuff i think
0: that would be a fun episode because i think again when we take religion into account like so often religion has been so resistant to change and i agree with you i think god is a god who's you know, always changing. And again, we can see that in nature. My daughter has this or my child has this axolotl, which is a um so it's like a lizard that lives underwater, has legs the whole nine yards, but
1: no way. Yeah,
0: it's the coolest thing ever. And they were sharing with me, you know, speaking of the sharks that you were mentioning, they were sharing with me that if the conditions are not good enough and they can't stay submerged in water, that they will evolve and change to be basically normal uh air breathing beings no crazy i didn't look that up oh you just told me about it last night but i yeah just, you know blew my mind and oh you know, yeah they, they were talking about oh i want to get another one and and i said well they're going to get along and and they said well it's okay because if one of them bites the other one's tail they'll regenerate and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> these things are so much <laughs> more advanced than we are as human beings you know yeah
1: oh man that's rich. I love that. I think I think nature reveals to us, too, in an interactive and an interconnected way, God's desire to provide. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And um, we're having a tough conversation down at work, and we're going through this whole thing about um, scarcity and abundance, right? And so a lot of people uh, believe that there's enough for everybody. You know, and that's hard for me. I mean, working with so many poor people, and these people who believe in abundance, too, work with pe- people who don't have very much. And so we talk, of course, about, you know, greed and, you know, if people don't share, people want. And you were talking about, you know, w- When we have our our life is dependent and we don't always see it because of technology and machines and everything today, we're cut off from I've got to go pick my own tomatoes and you know bring them in. But I I just I'm just so struck with provision happens so well if there's balance, and I think we've overpopulated the earth. Nobody likes to hear that. If, if 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 humanity was dependent on just what we can grow naturally to feed people, we'd be really in trouble. For years, we've been putting chemicals in the ground, and we've been injecting you know chemicals into the plants to make them more. about you know, it's all this stuff.
0: You're speaking of that, now I first of all I agree with you. I think we've overpopulated the earth, and I think that's another great conversation. It <laughs> is for that day as well. Yeah. But speaking of this provision part, speaking of putting chemicals into things and what have you, I mean, you and I, everybody in this world knows how much better the earth provides if we if we do it properly, because nobody will doubt that it. you shouldn't even call a tomato from the garden the same thing as you call a tomato from the grocery store. They're like two right. separate things because one is so much better or a strawberry. You know, because when you treat it the way it's supposed to be treated, it it provides for you in in such more profound ways. You know, oh, so it does. We yeah. think just numbers are what's what's what it's all about, but it's it's not. It's about the richness. It's about enjoying life. It's about enjoying our food and things like that as well.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm always blessed to come in and visit nature. You know, in terms of Celtic spirituality, but I, I and. Not the most positive way for me to to close this with, but I do want to say this. You know, if you go to church and during Lent, you expect, you expect certain messages. And part of that message is seek forgiveness, turn around, um, excuse me, turn around and, and walk in a new direction, right? Nature is calling us to do that all the time right now. And as spiritual people, I love what you said. The church should should be the one leading this. There's nothing anti-Christian about being more connected to the earth. Jesus said, look at the lilies of the field. Oh, come on, that's not a big deal. You didn't really mean that, did you? Okay, look at the birds of the air. Okay, I don't know what you're doing, Jesus, but that's not relevant to me right now. But it's just so important right now. And to respect Father Richard used to say, respect means to re-respect, re-examine, look deeper, you know, look twice. Um, and I think that's just what nature is calling us to now. Look at our place in the world. As St. Paul said, don't think more highly of yourselves than you should. Remember who we are and whose we are and the world we've been placed into to love and care for like we would love and care for ourselves. Lent is a good time, lengthening of days, spring, new life. And the church is right in a way new life only comes with the pruning, turning around, going a new direction. Huh, nature's calling us to do the very
0: same thing with regard to her. For more information on Celtic Way, go to CelticWay.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado or on Instagram at Celtic Way Official. Special thanks to Suzanne Kinzera for the music for this podcast.
1: Seasons come and go, darling.